1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Steve Clark says Scotland must learn lessons from this international camp. Mother will find out their European opponents and Pedro Martinez Losa names his Scotland squad to face Ukraine. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Scotland captain Rachel Corsi. And Rachel, we've just had the men's international camp finishing up. You're in training at the moment ahead of the, the Ukraine game. It's all happening on the international front. It is. It's busy. Um, but it's a good time. I think it's... It often falls like that that the women the women's window falls right after the men's, and I think there's something there's a bit of momentum, especially when the you know the men get a good result last night, and we hopefully can take that into next week too and get another one. Yeah, loads to look back on, loads to look forward to as well. So as always, we'll be taking your calls oh one four one nine five one one zero two five, or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. Of course, the men's team finished their camp with a four one win over Armenia last night. Steve Clark coming out saying they must learn lessons from this international camp, though. So the simple question to you at home is: What lessons do you think they are? What are the biggest improvements you want to see from the national team going forward? So give us a call oh one four one nine five one one zero two. Five. There's also plenty going on domestically. You've got Motherwell getting their European opponents. You've got Dundee United. They're closing in on appointing Jack Ross as their new manager with Tam Courts leaving yesterday. He's got a new club as well. We'll bring you that news a bit later on. But whatever is on your mind, 0141-951-1025. There is only one place to start though, Rachel. It was that game last night. Scotland had obviously not had the greatest international window, but it was a case of just getting back out there and getting three points and just trying to build up some momentum going into, well, I say momentum, but it's a case of finishing on a high, isn't it, after a couple of results that, that could have been a lot better. Yeah, and you'd say we needed to. I think a, a team, it's, it's difficult to play all international teams. You know, everyone says, oh, pulling on that shirt should should inspire you. And it's been a long season for a lot of the guys, we know that. But that, that goes for everyone. Um, I, we've shown now that when we go to these places, we can beat these teams that have consistently in the past probably been difficult for us, which I think is a big part of the growth that we've had. And I would say it's still been a positive window. Of course, the biggest disappointment came right at the start, and I think naturally the optimism all the fans had it it left it left everyone feeling deflated, um, and naturally that then turned into a bit of criticism. And I think that's probably a default that we all have that it doesn't really bring much value to to anything. Um, and I think Steve Clark's probably the best person that just wearing that on his own shoulders and deflecting it away. And I think you can see the players enjoy being in his environment, learning from him and the rest of the coaching staff. And I think we have a lot of a, a lot of real positives to us. I heard James McFadden speaking earlier too, and he he was very complimentary. And I think he probably has a lot more insight than a lot of us too. And just seeing the players that are in their in their form for the national team also have a, a number of years they can still play international football. So I, I think there's still a lot of good years ahead of us, hopefully in the near future. Yeah, a couple of results that, that fans were concerned about there was obviously that the pressure then ramps up naturally going into that final game but I suppose the last thing you want as a player is when you've got a final game of a camp you've your next international window isn't until September the last thing you want is a, another defeat or another result playing on your mind for for that time in between yeah you can start to get a little bit edgy and for you know I, I don't think you would have I don't think we did see that I, I think you made a couple of changes, you know, the, the core stayed the same for most of the games. I know there was a couple of changes every sort of game to game, but um, he's very loyal to the players that have 
done a, a great job, you know, consistently for the last two and a half, three years. And um, it was an enjoyable game. And I think that that's something that really does bring everyone together. I think the fans turned up in great numbers. The players love that. Um, there's a togetherness. And I think that's that's a big focus because I think, as I say, you know, when there's that disappointment, naturally we become critical. And um, I, I don't think we're at a place where we need to be too concerned of, of course we want to go to the World Cup and of course that hurts that we're not going to be there I suppose a bonus with international football with having the windows so far apart is that Steve Clark says he'll go away he'll analyse he'll reflect he'll see what they need to improve on he's now got a lot of time to, to go away and do that he does and I think when you're in football it's it's 24-7 even you know when you're having a break it's still naturally it's <laughs> the first thing that comes to your mind um, so I Undoubted, undoubtedly all the players and staff will need some time um, to unwind but even when you're trying to do that I'm sure there'll be things in his mind and he'll be he'll be playing through moments you know from training things he's seen to also then of course analysing the games and the matches and, and finding ways that we can keep improving because naturally we have to because everyone will keep developing everyone's keep it's going to get harder and harder to keep qualifying and we obviously haven't qualified this time round so um, yeah there, there's a good bit of work to do and like I say I think a lot of players will appreciate the fact they can get some time before they then build into a new season. Well, let us know what you think at home. 01419511025. John is up first in Cote Bridge. John, what are your thoughts about the national team after that international window? Uh, good evening, Andrew. Nice to hear from you, Rachel, as well. Hi, John. Uh, hi. Uh, last night, as I said to you, I didn't you call it, see a lot of the games because I was working last night. I was trying to go on my phone. But as I said, obviously, you know, Andrew, I'm a regular and I'm a big Celtic man, but I think last night showed that Tommy's never a centre half, and as I've said a couple of times, I didn't realise John Shooter was injured last night. And I, uh, I think that the, the team should be built, the, the back should be, the, the defence should be built around obviously Kieran Tierney and Shooter and A and other. Because last night, I don't know if that game, as I said, as I said last night, as I agreed with him, if if it stayed eleven against eleven, I think we'd have struggled last night. And it was the, the defence was absolutely shocking. Not right? the results that count really, but the defence was showing up last night. It was absolutely shocking. Some of the defending the last couple of games. So I, I just wonder about Rachel. You think about John Shooter could be a mainstay along with Kieran Tierney and obviously yeah, another. I don't know who the other one would be because Grant Hanley seems to have been backwards off with Steve Clark the last five or six games. Yeah, that seems to be an area that a lot of Scotland fans have spoken to us on the phones about and I've seen it on Twitter as well that last night the back three seemed quite disjointed. There was quite a lot of balls over the top that caused real confusion in that Scotland defence and throughout this international window there's been a lot of chopping and changing of that back three and I think that will only be natural when you've got so many games in close proximity but do you feel that's something that Steve Clark will be going away and, and taking a look at and really assessing what his best options are back there? I think yes I think the one thing that we have to probably give some credit to Steve Clark for is the fact that he's had to handle so many injuries in specifically those three positions across the back three I think I would I, you know I, I agree with John's point to the to the fact that there's there's questions over the back line and I think McTominay probably is someone that naturally Steve Clark wants to play he's obviously a very very good player I'm not sure he's best in that back line either. Um, but equally, trying to then fit him into the midfield is another difficulty because I think it's very, very difficult to say who would you not play out of Gilmore, McGregor and McGinn. You know, I think they're all definitely going to start every game that they're available for. Even 
I think the likes of Stuart Armstrong last night proved that he's such a valuable player that doesn't often start many games, but when he comes on, he, he's very, very consistent in how he performs. So um, I think the back line is, is a difficult position. I I think Suter and Tierney, naturally, you, you want them in your starting eleven, but unfortunately for both of those players, they've missed a lot of games through injury, and so it's just whether they can obviously again use this time in summer to hopefully get a good pre-season under them so that they can actually come into the season and be able to have that resilience to get through because both of them will be asked to play a lot of games again next year. Yeah, because Tierney is obviously a loss defensively, but you look at what he does going forward as well, that link-up play with Andy Robertson that we've seen is so effective. That is, You're losing sort of two sides to the game with Kieran Tierney when he's not there and it's been really hard for Steve Clark to to replicate that. He's not even really tried to replicate it at all by putting anyone with sort of similar abilities and qualities in that role. It's it's mainly been a, a sort of solid centre back rather than someone who is capable of going forward as well. Yeah, I, th- I think it's and it's not just a, it takes away from what Scotland are good at, but it also has a another impact on on the opposition. Naturally, when the opposition know that they're playing against Robertson and Tierney, they look at when you're doing that analysis over the, t- the opposition you know opponents are going to be very wary of that and as soon as you know that one of them's not playing or either of them are available then it almost gives a lift to the other team just on by that solely so um we obviously saw him change for change formation laterally against Ireland and I, I think that probably is something that we have to be versatile enough to do because you're not going to be able to replicate what Tierney gives you um and it's just been very unfortunate that he's obviously picked up another injury. John, despite some concerns at the back, are you happy that when Armenia went down to 10 men, Scotland were able to capitalise on that? They were able to create chances? They were able to get players into dangerous areas? I would say they were great going forward, so they were. But as I said, last night, is bits and pieces I've seen it, and I tried to watch it last night, some of the highlights on my phone. And as I just say, what worries me is I say, I'm not one of the guys that wants Steve Clark sacked. I think he's done a great job. So, I, but I just at the back, as I said, I think once if hopefully they stay fully fit, they shoot her in Tierney and uh, and then put another one in. But as I said, going forward, and as Rachel said there, Stuart Armstrong is a player I like, and he, as he came into the team last night, and he was his two, his two goals well. But I thought last night as well, Andrew, that one of the guys, Jacob Brown or Ross Stewart, would have got a wee half hour. I mean, but I don't know. Maybe just try to keep Shea Adams in there to give him a bit of confidence because I think that's his first goal since February or something. Like that. But uh, I was quite. Uh, quite going forward as I say they've done well but as I say I was really worried about the defensive situation I mean as I say as Rachel said there it's trying to fit Scott Tomley in but I don't know maybe if Billy Gilmer maybe needs a rest now because he's not really kicked a ball in the last five or six internationals there he is Rachel can I have a wee word with you about somebody as well my wee niece plays with the Celtic girls now she's just she had a couple of substitute appearance, Morgan Hay so would you look out for in future for me brilliant absolutely yeah tell her to keep working hard there we go. You're speaking to the right person, John. Thank you. 01419511025. John was talking about the attacking options there. He was saying that he, he felt Ross Stewart or Jacob Brown would have got more of an opportunity. Jacob Brown came off the bench but didn't get too much game time last night. The fact that Shea Adams played all four games maybe didn't perform as well as we've seen him, but how big will that have been for him that he managed to get that goal last night? Because I think he felt himself, and John McGinn had said it about himself as well, that they felt they were maybe on a bit of a, a drought. They'd been frustrated in front of goal. Just being able to, to get that goal must be a, a relief and a weight off their shoulders. It, it absolutely will be. I think strikers feel that very quickly, the pressure to score, and um, fans make sure they remind them of it all too often as well. But um, I'm not that surprised he played as many minutes. Um, 
I think he is a top a top player for us and I think he contributes more than just goals and I think you see that in how we look to counter-attack and how we break and his, his ability to hold the ball up and be a presence is something that's really, really, really important to the style that Steve Clark asks of that formation. Um, and the other thing is as well that it's playing international football, it's not about necessarily giving someone an opportunity. You absolutely earn every minute that you get on that pitch and so obviously from training, from from what Steve Clark and the staff have seen, they felt that obviously Che Adams was the number one choice and the choice that would play consistently and get as many minutes as possible. And obviously that's credit to, to the fact that he was actually able to do that too because he has also had a long season. That'll be it because we can argue until we're blue in the face about what players should be getting more game time, what players shouldn't be getting game time. But ultimately, Steve Clark and his staff, they're the ones in the training pitch. They're the ones that know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. And if Ross Stewart and Jacob Brown aren't getting the game time that people think they deserve... There is going to be a, a reason behind that and Steve Clark is going to know why and he's going to know exactly why Shea Adams is the man. And the fact that it was only one striker with the two behind, McGinn and Armstrong, it proved that that worked last night because Stuart Armstrong scored twice, John McGinn scored once and Shea Adams got a goal himself. Yeah, I think all, all four combined brilliantly and I think um, you know you, you have that club relationship too between Shea and, and Stuart um, and obviously I think between Stuart and and McGinn, they've had a lot of time, they've grown up similar similar ages, played a lot of games together too. So I think it we saw that chemistry come out and we're starting to see that more and more across the pitch, different relationships and you know it enables then players that do get brought into the squad, it, it makes it much easier for them to transition into. And um, you know, the, undoubtedly those players will get minutes in, in time, but I think the fact that Adams played as many minutes as he did, I, I think is probably a credit to the work he's doing that we don't get to see. And um you know, you have to trust that Steve Clark does know what he's doing, which he's proved that he does. And people will say that, you know, Armenia got a man sent off just before half time. They got a man sent off at the end of the game, both fully deserved. By the way, the, the challenge right at the end of the game was absolutely horrendous as well, wasn't it? But Scotland still had to, to deal with that and make sure that they were focused. And, you know, people talk about the cliches of sometimes it's harder to play against 10 men, but Scotland just had to go out there and, and deal with it. They still had the pressure of the previous games on and they made sure that they went out and, and committed and, and got that one. They did and I think that it's difficult to, to play away from home um, and there there was pressure because you know both the defeats to Ukraine and Ireland hurt and there was building pressure and you know unfairly people were calling for Steve Clark to be out um, which as a player you can't you can't unhear that you know that's being spoken about um what does that do from a player's perspective if they hear you know supporters speaking of the manager saying that they maybe want the manager out how personally do the the players take that in a squad because how much responsibility do they feel on the behalf of of their manager if the manager's getting criticism it, generically speaking it can vary i think in this instance the players feel very much that they, they back Steve Clark. You can see that in how in how they've performed. Um and I, I think they they show that. They show that they work hard every time they pull on that shirt and they've stuck they've trusted the system and, and over time it, it's brought so many rewards and a lot of players have, have benefited from that. They're still very much in the current squad. So I, I think in this instance I don't think it would have had too much of a detrimental effect. Um other than it is still a distraction and, and as players if if you do know that the manager deserves to be there, you then start to feel that pressure to be like, we need to perform, we must get a result. Um, and you'd say, you know, as Scotland, we, sh- we should go to Armenia and get a result. Um, and we did that. But there certainly was pressure. So, you know, I think the performance and the result has 
has done a lot. Um, we can now end sort of this season on a high and, and we can look to push on it. And we have the opportunity to win this group, which I think for us is a, a big aim, but it's something that would, you know, it's, it's ambitious, but it's doable. Yeah, it kind of felt after the Ireland defeat that all was lost, but the way results have gone, it still is very much to play for. Yes, there's a couple of games against Ukraine who have proven they are a very good side. We've seen that firsthand, but not all hope is lost. And that is the main thing going into the next camp. Definitely, and I think, you know, we haven't qualified for a major tournament before the Euros for a long time. And now, because we, you know, we made it to the playoffs, we had an opportunity to go to the World Cup. Now we're being critical because we've not made it. So um, our, our expectations have kind of grown rather rapidly, but in an exciting way, because I think we have those expectations because we believe that there's a lot of potential with this group and with the structure and everything that's been built. So it, it's a it's a really exciting time. Um Whilst it'll be still a little bit sore when we get to Qatar in the winter, but um, you know, there's there's good days ahead. I feel good about that. Well, let's hear from you at home. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. Give us a call now, and we could be speaking to you next. You are the voice of Scottish football. Call oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. Clyde One Super Scoreboard Rachel Corsi here with me Andrew McLean in the second part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard 01419511025 if you want to get in touch or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB that's what Kenneth has done we were asking what lessons Scotland should learn from this international camp after Steve Clark said there was a few to learn Kenneth says lesson one a back three doesn't work without Kieran Tierney lesson two Armstrong should start more often and lesson three Ralston should start at right wing back ahead of Patterson any of those three that stick out for you Rachel um, I definitely like Stuart in, in midfield I think he's I mean, slightly biased because we actually went to the same school but that's a side, side part old pal Zach <laughs> yeah. um, no but I think he's I just think he's someone who athletically he's it's probably not spoken about but the the ground he covers and also then his quality on the ball is is at a very, very high level, very, very consistently. But equally, like we said earlier, that midfield area is full of talent and full of really, really good players. So um, it's difficult. And I think Tony Ralston has been good. Obviously, Nathan Patterson's not getting a lot of game time. Um, you'd expect that likely, you know, now he's been, been at Everton for a little longer, that, that that's something that will hopefully change. Um, but I think Ralston's done a really good job there. And I think he's given himself a, a, a very, very strong argument to get more game time too. It's a good thing we now have competition for that spot because previously it was talked about how strong the left side was and there was really didn't seem to be too many answers for the right side. Stephen O'Donnell was in there, but now you know Nathan Patterson's emerged. We've got Anthony Ralston, Aaron Hickey has been tested out there, although he's, he's more natural on the left. There are young, good options that are, are now coming through for the right wing-back spot. Really good options. I think you just say there too, they're young. So the potential in the years to come is something that... Um, hopefully it does become a dilemma um, because that means that the players are pushing pushing each other to be the best they can be and you know then you're trying to find maybe a different system that accommodates different players obviously you know we probably found the system we play now as you say because Tierney and Robertson we were trying to find how we could get both of them onto the pitch and um, we seem to have a really really positive number of players coming through in an age now that in the next two three years they should really be in their prime. 01419511025 on the phones. George is next up in London. George, what are your thoughts on the national team at the moment? Hi, hi, panel. Um, so yeah, um, I I kind of I've 
agree with the points you've just mentioned there. Um, but there's a few things to that. I would never put a, I'd never played Grant Hanley in defence again. I think his time is over. Uh, when we had uh, Scott McKenna and Souter in, um, these were guys that knew how to close players down uh, quite quickly, and that's what we need to look at at defence. Another, another point I would add... We'll take I'll, that I'll, one first, George, and I'll let you come back in, because I, I've heard quite a bit of criticism for Grant Hanley over this international window. I think I've said it before, but over the last couple of years before that, I think it would be hard to argue against him being one of Scotland's most consistent performers, especially at the Euros. We saw some really good performances from Grant Hanley, but over the last few games, it's maybe not quite clicked together for him. And we've seen other defensive displays, you know, last night, McTominay and, and Hendry in there. The three of them looked to struggle together. The bonus for Steve Clark will be that there are options there. Kieran Tierney still to come back in. George mentioned Souter and, and McKenna who have come in, performed, and that is just all part of the dilemma for Steve Clark now. Yeah, I think I think for Grant Hanley, I think one of the most important factors that isn't often considered is, is organisation, communication, leadership, experience. That, of course, doesn't override individual performances and I and, and know that there there has been moments where he's perhaps looked a little bit uncomfortable over these last couple of games. But given the players that are playing around him and the inexperience they have, you know, McTominay's not a centre-back, he needs someone talking to him all the time. Scott McKenna, I think, still has probably... He has the capabilities, no doubt, to grow into that, but he's probably not quite there just yet. I think he's had a great season at Forest. Hopefully continues that development, and that's probably the one thing that if he can push on there, he potentially can put in a strong claim to become that central person. But that role is... Um, the, the most important part of that role is the organisation and, and working with the players around you. And I think that's something, and that's probably the biggest reason why Steve Clark relies on him so heavily. And that's something that as fans you don't always see because, you know, as you watch the game, you're looking at the ball, you're focusing on mistakes, things like that. Especially as a, a centre back, it's it at times is a very unforgiving position. Um, but I think that that is probably the the biggest reason why we need a player like Grant Hanley to be there. George, um, I, I don't know. I, I just think we need to start. Plan uh, beyond Grant Hanley, to be honest. In the last couple of games, it's been patently obvious, even last night, that you know, for us to move forward, you know, in our defence, we need to have guys that can run and close players down, you know, in the centre of defence. Um, but yeah, I'd just like to mention just two other points before I finish. Um, I'd I've got a question. When do we think about replacing Craig Gordon? And in the field... It was we'll take that point, George, again, and, and I'll let you come back in. The, the Craig Gordon one is an interesting one because if you look at the goalkeepers that are in the, the Scotland squad at the moment, David Marshall retired in the middle of this international camp, so he's no longer an option. You've then got Liam Kelly. You've got Xander Clark, who are both uncapped despite being in various squads. Robbie McCrory was called up later on. I think Xander Clark had to leave to go to his wedding. I think it was. Uh, so wasn't available for the last game. But there doesn't seem to be a clear succession plan, does there, for Scotland when it comes to goalkeepers? Because if Kelly and Clark haven't been capped yet when they've been in so many squads and Robbie McCrory is the next option after that, who hasn't really been playing much domestic football 
at all. I think it's a very you know fair question for George to ask where where do we see Scotland going when Craig Gordon retires, which may not be soon because he looks as if he's got a lot of football left in him, but it looks as if there needs to be some sort of planning beyond that. Yeah, and I, you know, if you look at how how well McGregor's performing too, then I, hopefully Craig Gordon does still have a few years left. But it's a fair question to have in the back of our minds, but it's also something where um, we are fortunate in that we have goalkeepers at the moment who are performing at a very, very high level, and and that is important for now. And of course, you have to look at the future, but. I wouldn't read too much into the fact that the others haven't had a cap yet because similar to you know the Che Adams conversation we had earlier, you don't just get an opportunity to to play in goals for Scotland just so you can get that experience. There might be a time where you choose to to maybe consider different goalkeepers for different reasons, and part of that can be this is an opportunity where we can try something. But at the moment, you know, I, I don't see how we could have not played who we played and given the pressure that mounted game to game and especially after the defeat to Ireland it, it, it meant that we ha- it became the games that we had to win and therefore you're going to play your strongest team and that meant that you know it, it wasn't a time for giving other people an opportunity so we have depth and there's also the possibility that somebody can can come into strong form that we don't expect that we haven't seen um, so much of and, and they get an opportunity and they go on a run of, of being consistent and and out of nowhere, you end up finding someone that's um, a bit unexpected. So I, I understand it being in the back of our minds what is the future, but I also think we're in a we're in a very good position at the moment. And you know, I, I do feel like Craig Gordon has a good couple of years ahead of him too. What was your final point, George? Yeah, just on uh, just on that final thing that Rachel had said about uh, looking for unexpected opportunities, and I know I've mentioned uh, this uh, before. Um, what, you know, I've brought this up a couple of times with the with the Ryan Gold situation. The guy's on fire, and he continues to be overlooked. Is that Ryan or, Gold you said there, George? Yes, Ryan Gold, who's in the MLS for like um, uh, the Canadian team, uh, Vancouver Redcaps or something. You know, he's in the for, he's been in the form of his life for the past couple of seasons. And yet he's been overlooked. Um, I just think, you know, our midfield is our strongest department. And certainly against the Ukraine, uh, against Ireland, um, it would, it, it's beginning to look static and things like that. John, unfortunately, John McGinn, you know, he missed, you know, he has missed a couple of chances. Yes, Stuart Armstrong has uh, stepped up. But when you see the likes of Gold, who's been in red hot form, and you continue to overlook him, I just think that's absolutely criminal. You know, because he can link up with the likes of Shea Adams, you know, and provide them the service. And Ross Stewart could link up with Shea Adams and uh, become, you know, uh, as effective as we know he can for Sunderland. So, George, can I just ask who? So, who would you put? Who would you take him in for then? Who wouldn't get a place? Well, for example, right, I'm um, Ryan Christie, right? Ryan Christie has been pretty consistent uh, in getting a cap and things like that. But his firm's, his firm's kind of tapered a wee bit. I mean, I think Ryan Christie's had a pretty good season for, for Bournemouth. He's, he's had some big moments for Scotland as well, Rachel. I think he's had a very good season for Bournemouth. Obviously, yeah, I think he's been a key player for their promotion. Um, a, a lot of 
a lot of players struggle when they make that transition down south and I would say he's someone that's adapted to that very well and I think there was some scrutiny about him going there um, and I think he's proven a lot of people wrong um, so uh, for, for me Ryan Christie would definitely be someone I, w- I would keep in the team Steve Clark's very loyal as well isn't he and I think it takes a lot for a player to earn Steve Clark's trust we see sometimes if a new player gets into the squad they're given maybe a couple of camps before they actually make their international debut but Steve Clark is, as I say, very loyal to those that, that he feels have, have done a good job for him. And guys like Ryan Christie, guys like Stuart Armstrong aren't just going to drop out of the squad out of nowhere. No, they're not. And I think sometimes, you know, people dismiss it as the fact he just has this loyalty. But I think the reason he has it is because those players have shown they can perform consistently. They understand the role. They understand what's been asked of them in possession, out of possession. That takes time to establish that that trust, that understanding, um, you know, the ability to be on the same page as the players around you. So, um, yeah, I think I understand the argument. I think it's good we have arguments for players not, not being in the squad. That's what we want. We want there to be cases for there to be players missing out because that's ultimately what drives us forward. That's what keeps the players that are being selected on their toes. That's what keeps the ones that are starting 11 even, you know, pushing on even more. And that's a big part of our development. That is another part of the succession plan that, that's being created that keeps that will keep on being demanded to be more and more as time goes on well thank you to George 01419511025 if you want to get in touch or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB this one caught my eye from Pozog uh, I do like a bit of uh, Mark Wilson slander especially when he's not here to defend himself Pozog has said what a career Rachel has had she's been everywhere and she has 125 and a half more caps than Mark Wilson <laughs> Oh dear He'll be in tomorrow night So we'll see what he thinks of that one But uh, yes You can send us a tweet At Clyde SSB Or phone us 01419511025 Another story I wanted to touch on today Motherwell have found out Their Europa Conference League Second qualifying round opponents They'll take on either Ballatown from Wales Or Sligo Rovers from Ireland At the end of the month And I always find these A strange one Because Motherwell fans Will be so excited About going on this European journey And imagining all the, the Crazy trips that could be Going on to different corners of Europe in the, the first round they've got to they could be going to Wales or Ireland yeah I'm, I'm not quite sure that's the glamour ties they were quite hoping for but um, on one hand very winnable games and you know that that's the exciting part of Europe at this stage you get the opportunity to progress and for the players the fans the club for everyone that that's really exciting and um, but equally on the other hand I think those ties are actually very you know very difficult I think we look at that and think oh we've got a great chance here but equally I think those other teams will be feeling the same so it's going to be tough but a winnable game and and that's exciting I suppose a bonus of that is you're almost guaranteed to have a really good travelling support I'm sure there's many Motherwell fans that would go absolutely anywhere to follow their team but I think there's quite a few more that will think you know what that's actually quite local I might not have to take as many days off work for that one I'll just just head along on whatever it is the ferry or the bus on the way down can even drive if it's Bala <laughs> No doubt I'm sure there'll be plenty Making the absolute most of it That's for sure And you just look at the Sort of Complexion of Scottish football Next season When there's five Teams in the top flight That are all competing in Europe Celtic In the Champions League Group stages already Rangers potentially With a chance to get there We know Hearts are guaranteed Group stage football No matter what happens To them in qualifying It's just great For the Scottish game That we're back at a point Where we've got so many teams competing And it would be great to see that You know Even You know Motherwell or or anyone else can can actually get slightly further, and if there are more teams in the group stages, done the United as well. Yeah, I think it, it's been a place for Scottish teams. It's been difficult to make make a lot of progress. Um, you know, naturally, 
don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but as an Aberdeen fan, we've had a fairly dismal run of going into these early, early rounds of the Europa League and not getting very far, and but it's still being a crazy number of games to not really actually get to a stage that feels like you've actually even made it into Europe. So, um, of co- and of course, you know, the financial implications of all of this has, you know, a trickle-down effect on absolutely everything. The money that goes into the league, the players it's going to attract, that goes both ways. You know, players will want to come here. We'll be able to then sell players elsewhere to make more revenue. And I think that that's important for our game is that we have a game that's sustainable and encourages growth and, and helps us to, to keep developing more and more young players to come through to want to play at the best level and be the best they can be. I think a few people were maybe sceptical when the Europa Conference League was first brought in, not knowing whether they wanted a, a third European competition, but fans of clubs that get into you know the group stage of it or get the chance of getting into the group stage of it, it doesn't matter what the competition is or, or what it's called. And you actually look at the, the final, you know, Roma that won it this season Jose Mourinho I think was in tears when they won the competition this is a competition that, that means something and it's massive for for clubs that maybe wouldn't normally get into the group stages of the competition to have that chance to get in there and compete against clubs from all over Europe Yeah, I, I think you want as a player and as I, I mean as a fan too you want your team to compete every game your team plays you want them to win and so whatever competition that is that that's how we feel about football you know you turn up and you want to win your player your manager part of the staff in the fan, fans area you know you're there to win we love that's what we love to do and so when we speak about these tournaments maybe not being oh it's not worth the time it's this it's that it's another opportunity to play more football to play against teams you never played against and to win a trophy and I, I think for me having had the experience of, inter- of international football and European football I think it's absolute. It's one of the best things you can do, and as a fan, whether you're a fan player, then absolutely, let's let's bring it on. And I think it's great that there's more teams getting the opportunity to do that. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. If you want to get in touch, Rachel, of course, your Scotland side have a big big game coming up as well. We'll get a bit more on that after these. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Rachel Corsi here with me, Andrew McLean, in the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. If you want to get in touch. Of course, we are talking about the men's team that have had some big games. There's a huge game coming up for the women's side as well. Pedro Martinez Losa has named his squad for that qualifier against Ukraine next Friday. Celtics Kelly Clark and Lisa Robertson have been recalled to the squad. Christy Grimshaw is missing the game through injury as well. And Rachel, it's still quite a while away. It's still over a week, but you guys are sort of in training at the moment. You'll build up to the game. And, and how are you feeling ahead of it? Because it is huge in the, in the complexion of the, the group. I think we feel I think we feel like we're looking forward to the game obviously it was meant to be in April um, and naturally because of the circumstances that wasn't possible and I think you know it's great that the game can go ahead I think at the moment it's just an, there's an excitement and an anticipation for just getting back together as a complete squad um, we've been able to have a little bit of training this week but you know the real work with everyone will start on Sunday night when we all get together and I think that's something that we're very aware that there's a lot there's a lot of work to do next week to make sure we're prepared and ready it's going to be extremely difficult I think to go the game will be in Poland and I think it'll still be an environment that very much feels like a, as close to a home game as possible for Ukraine and uh, you know we anticipate they will have a, a number of people there in support and 
they're also a, a, a tough team. We saw that when they came to Hamden and, you know, we relied on a late goal to, to get a draw out of that. So we're, we're very aware that it's going to be something that's, um, it's going to be challenging and we have to be at our very best, or as best as we can be, obviously, for the fact that it's it's the summer for a lot of the players. Well, let's hear from Pedro Martinez Losa, your manager. Don't worry, he's not live. You don't need to be on your best behaviour. <laughs> In one part, obviously, we empathize with the situation that happened. We are happy that the game is, is being played finally. In the other side, we have a much bigger job to do for us, which is representing our country, qualifying for the World Cup. And that bigger job is, is much bigger than any other uh, consideration. So we are going to Poland to win and to be in the best level to, to be prepared and to try to to make the nation proud to, to be to qualify in the, in the World Cup if we can. What we are going to f- to face in in the game of football is a total normal situation where Ukraine is going to be prepared, uh, the players are going to be available, so we don't expect any any surprise in the time of lacking of anything, lacking any motivation, lacking any resources. But but the opposite, we expect probably the most difficult scenario in terms of the atmosphere, uh, in terms of the level of the opponent, and that's what we are trying to be ready for. Yeah, Pedro outlines it there. There is obviously so much going on with Ukraine, the game having to to move to Poland due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. There's so much emotion behind the game, but it's a case of just having that mindset where you're going, you're going to play a game of football, a crucial game of football. You want to try and well all but secure that that playoff spot. Yeah, that that's ultimately the goal, and I think you know, in, in one part, you prepare very much for the opponent, and it, that's important to do. But you know, on top of that as well, we're trying to build um, a style and a system of of play that that works for the group of players that we have and you know that's that's been a big part of our development and growth over the last year which naturally has brought scrutiny and criticism because we've not always got it right and we've not always performed to our best but it's because we're trying to work and on doing these these new demands that are being asked of us that we know when it does come together it's going to be really effective and successful for us so um I think now we've we've had that consistency and I think we we've felt the benefits since the turn of the year of of how our system works and what's been asked of every single role and I think you know this game will be a big big test because like I say the, the timing isn't obviously perfect but equally that's not an excuse and it's the same for both teams and um you know we'll absolutely do everything to make sure we're as prepared as possible and I think we believe that if we if we perform and if we play as well as we can and we have everyone available then we give ourselves a very, very good opportunity to make sure we get the result we need. There was that talk when the men's team are going to play Ukraine, not only about the emotion, but people wondering what mindset the Ukraine players would be in. Would they be distracted? We saw that that was not the case at all. They went to Hamden. They were very, very good. Is that exactly what you're expecting from from the women's side that you'll be facing next Friday? Yeah, uh, without question. I think, as I've said, first and foremost, they're a, a very competent side, um, you know they they caused us problems when we played them at home and whenever you go away and, and play any team away from home you know it's always tough um, you add to that the circumstances that have of course been over the last six months which are horrendous and undoubtedly there's you know their group of players will have all been impacted slightly differently and I'm, I'm sure there's some really really horrible stories so um, you expect that in these moments this is an opportunity for them to go and play and represent their country their people Um Without doubt, they'll they'll absolutely come out, and uh, as I've said, you know we expect their fans will show up too, and um, it, it's it's something that we have to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to not be not be able to match that because first and foremost, you know you have to match that effort and intensity, and then you have to allow your quality to show through. 
Yeah, you don't really make it as a professional footballer if you don't have that ruthless mentality and, and both sides will be having that. The, the Ukrainians, they'll be going out, they'll be motivated to win the game. You have your own motivation of, of making sure you get there and everyone will make sure they're on the, the same page. Yeah, and I think now, you know, similar with the men's team, we've got a core group of players who, who've been together for a, you know, a, a significant period of time now where we're starting to establish those relationships in different areas of the pitch where you're starting to see, you know, players combine and, and work really well together. So um, that's an exciting time. And I, I think we just need to keep trying to, to push and, and start to actually allow the, the growth that we've made to turn into these results that we need. And this is a big result and it's a, a really big game. And that's one that we have to, you know, we can look forward to, but also there's a little bit of pressure there as well. Euro 2022 is coming up and obviously missing out on that tournament. Is that another thing that just provides motivation? Because... You know, it, it would have been a fantastic tournament to go to, but the fact that the national team are having to sit at home and watch it, that just spurs you on and, and makes you think, I, I can't be missing another one of these. Yeah, it's certainly painful. I think the nature of, obviously, the last campaign was, was really disappointing. And, um, you know, you, you look forward to a major tournament and I'm sure there'll be some exceptional games, but there'll also be moments where it probably will be tough to watch. And... Um, because ultimately you want to be there we've been there before and, and we believe we're good enough to compete with a lot of the teams that are there so it, it's definitely disappointing and it's it's bittersweet but I, again I also think it'll be a great spectacle it'll be great for the women's game um, I think it's expected to be the biggest tournament in terms of you know viewership and also actual attendances at games so I think that's just something that's that's going to be huge and should again have huge impacts on just the game in this country and obviously down south as well. Well, another couple of points I wanted to touch on before we finish up the managerial merry-go-round, sorry, easy for me to say, is is on the go. Tam Courts, we saw he left Dundee United yesterday. He's already been announced as the Budapest Honved manager, which I'm not sure many people would have expected. Jack Ross, we understand, is the the clear favourite to take over at Dundee United. Jack Ross looks as if he's sort of been waiting for the right opportunity to come up. I think he was offered a Dundee job, didn't feel that was the right opportunity. He'll be desperate to get back in and, and prove what he can do after what happened at Hibs. I think so. I think everyone, you know, for, for the most part agrees that it was probably a little bit harsh, his, his treatment at Hibs. And now, you know, I think if you're a Dundee United fan, I would be quite pleased with that. I think he's a young manager. He, he's still learning, but he's, he's established a really good reputation and, and you know, strong style you would say and I think um, you know I would expect him to go there and have high ambitions for a team like Dundee United and I think you know now they're back in, in the top division and you know they're pushing on pushing for Europe I think it's it's a good opportunity for him to to follow up on and hopefully he brings success for the club Yeah and Dundee United will be looking for stability as well because I think it's seven managers in the last seven years Tam Court's leaving you know, by mutual agreement after having a good season, they'll hope that this appointment is one that can provide them that stability that they've not had. You hope so, but, but in football we know that comes down to results and unfortunately things can change very quickly. But um, no, I, I think it's a really good replacement and if he does do well, there's very much the, the chance that this could be someone that's there for a long time. Well, thank you for listening in tonight. Thank you for your calls and tweets. Thank you to Rachel Corsi in the studio as well. And good luck for that massive game coming up away to Ukraine next week. I'll be back tomorrow night with Mark Wilson, where we'll have plenty more for you. There's obviously transfer season as well, so there'll be loads going on. So make sure to listen in and get in touch. Then stick around, though, because Callum Gallagher's up next.